Good morning. In case you're wondering, it's not my birthday, it's not my anniversary, <laughs> but you can send me gifts. Uh, I say that because uh, Larry Craig last week, he mentioned his anniversary and his birthday. I really enjoy being part of um, the eldership team here. It is a collaborative group. If you've seen our video on our justice page on the website for the New York City Church of Christ, which by the way, there's lots of great videos on that justice page. Um, you, you've seen the cultural diversity of the eldership. It's not just culture. It's the way we look at life. It's the way we think. But I think that's, that's what God intended for it to be not just diverse for diverse sake, but diverse because his children are diverse. We're all his children. Uh, today I'm going to talk about God's revolution. His kingdom come, his will be done. You know, right now in our world, we, we see all around us a revolution, you know, uh, for any number of reason in any number of places. I'm talking about around the world, literally different countries, different regions, uh, for different reasons. Um, and, and it's time that we talked about God's revolution. I do think it's important I point out that some of the teachings we had on the kingdom, while good, weren't always accurate. Um, we said the church was the kingdom. Um, solely. But in fact, no, the, the kingdom is well beyond the church. The church at best is an outpost for the kingdom. Um, the kingdom is beyond time, beyond space. It's in the future. It's in the present. It's in the past. It's spiritual. It's physical. It's just like God in terms of the Bible says that we cannot understand his ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth or God's thoughts and his ways. If God created the kingdom, it's, it's, we won't be able to grasp it, wrap our head around it while we're here on earth. But we have enough in front of us that we can't understand that will change our lives, that it will be a revolution if we let it be. You know, the Merriam-Webster def definition of revolution is it applies to a successful rebellion resulting in a major change, something sudden, radical, complete change, a fundamental change, an overthrow of a government, a ruler, an activity, a movement designed to affect fundamental change, um, change in the way we're thinking or visualizing something, a paradigm. You know, if you've ever spent any time in corporate America in the 90s, one of the top corporate slang bingo words was uh, paradigm shift. And I got it. I mean, because um, you had to think differently out the box. Um, and that's what a revolution, and in particular, God's revolution is calling us to. Now, when you, th when you heard the word revolution, you probably thought of any number of revolutions as, that have happened here on this earth. The French Revolution, the Irishman's Revolution, the Haitian Revolution, the Latin America Revolution, um, and of course the U.S. American Revolution. You know, I was very fortunate to go see Hamilton, uh, the Broadway musical, and it's about the American Revolution, and it's about the players during that time, and of course the key player is Alexander Hamilton. 
There's one song that they sing in the beginning. It's it's really moving. It gets you going. Not not going like dancing and et cetera, but going like you're prepared. What's happening here? What's going on? And what they say is the world will never be the same. That's what revolutions do. They rock your world. God's revolution is intended to rock our world. Uh, in Haggai uh, chapter 2, verse 21, we hear God speak. He says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders will go down and everyone by the sword of another overthrow, overthrow, overthrow. In Daniel 2:44, we read in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all those kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. You know, when you read through the Bible, whether it's through Genesis, through Revelation, you see God's always causing revolution. He's planning for it. He overthrows kingdoms from Egypt to Babylon to Rome. You know, that's what Daniel's all about. Daniel 2, 7, 8 is about the fact that there's these four great kingdoms that happen in succession. And the last one, most people believe, is wrong. And the revelation there is that God's kingdom, this stone that will come, will basically destroy all the kingdoms and grow to be a kingdom. And we see that in Revelation 13, 7, when all nations, all tribes, all languages, all people are before the throne of God, before the throne of Jesus. You know, in Revelation 21, 1, we see that there's a new heaven and new earth. So we know God's revolution is going to win. It's going to be something that brings about a major change. You know, Jesus preached about this. We know um, that he, he focused quite a bit on the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. You know, that phrase occurs more than 100 times in the four Gospels. In Mark 1, verse 14, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. We have to repent and believe. And in Luke 4, in verse 43, he says, 43 says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because this is why I was sent. This is his mission. This is his, his, his focus. Uh, in Matthew 5, 3, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for, their, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus preached and taught about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven in Matthew. He focused a lot on it and really tried to sort of raise up, level up um, the awareness and understanding of the Jews and the Jewish leaders. Um, you know, he knew that this was the most important thing. I read Matthew 5, verse 3. It's the start of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Some people say that's Jesus' manifesto, his sermon on the kingdom. 
it's, it's where he talks about the attitudes, the beliefs, the convictions, the priorities, the actions that someone would have to have to be in the kingdom of God. But he starts off with being poor in spirit. It starts off with being humble. And that poor means a beggar. Not somebody, well, I don't know if I have enough for a Coke today. I just have to go without it and just get the chips. No, no, no. This is someone who has nothing. And all they're doing is bending down, pleading, please help me. That's the attitude that we, you and me, have to continue to grow in every day so that we develop the kingdom mindset, the things that are talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. But it starts with that level of humility. You know, Jesus knew that his preaching would not be enough. He talked about how he would have to give his life. Some people understood it, some people didn't. And, you know, he talked about it in various ways, the the grain of wheat. Um, And in John 10, in verse 17, he says something really interesting. He says, you know, uh, I have the authority and the command to lay down my life and to take it up again. We're really grateful for the taking up again because the resurrection is what gives us the path into the kingdom because now we're justified by Christ, by his righteousness. But that's not this lesson. This lesson is about God's revolution. And in God's revolution, a life will be given. You know, I know many of you um, who study the Bible, all of you, um, went through, uh, studied through the cross study. And um, for my wife, um, this is what broke her. This is what humbled her. This is what turned her into a poor spirit. She realized that someone had gone through all the things that Jesus had done so that she could have a chance to be with God. I know there are different studies that affect each of us differently. Um, And this one, it really affects a lot of people who have soft hearts. She has a soft heart. (laughs) She does. And so it really moved her. And, um, you know, we were married. And six months after we got married, uh, I made Jesus Lord. My sin was always before me. I, it got worse and I needed to, I, I knew I needed help. Um, and, and then about nine months later, she made her decision. And that's, that's fine. You know, the time and place is different for you, me, everyone. It's our time, our place. Mark 8, you know, some interesting things happen in Mark 8. You know, Jesus again talks about having to die and Peter challenges him. You gotta love Peter. <laughs> Peter's like, what are you talking about? You know, this this part of the revolution I don't like at all. So we're gonna cut it out. Uh but Jesus Jesus was real clear. He said, well, you know, get behind me, Satan. But what he says interesting, he says, you have mind you have in mind the things of men, not the things of God. Let's read Mark eight uh near the end, because this is where it applies to us, you and me. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Forever who wants to save their life will lose it. 
But whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. Interesting thing here is the life that must be given, the life that will be given in God's revolution is our life. It's you and it's me. And we do it every day and in every area. And we continue to fight that fight of denying ourselves. The revolution is for our lives. And the revolution is our lives. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, um, there's some verses, I think, believe in 16, 17, um, uh, that talk about if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. I meditated on these scriptures before I got baptized, before I made my good confession, before I said Jesus is Lord, because I wanted a new life. My my wife was motivated by the cross. I was motivated by salvation, which is still part of the cross. Uh, but I was motivated, wow, I can get rid of all this stuff that's destructive and bad and the way I treat my parents, my sister, my daughter, my wife, and in and, and future would have been my son. Um, I wanted the old to be gone. I wanted the new. I wanted to give my life. <laughs> you know, and Peter finally got it in First Peter 2. He talks about Jesus, that he bore our sins, that in his body on the Christ, so on the cross, I'm sorry, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Peter got it. He didn't get it back in the piece I just read, but he got it later on and, and preached it. In Matthew 23, Jesus is interacting with the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees. And in the back half of 25, he says, you know, you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean too. Down in verse 28. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are full with, are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Wow. Wow. Picture Jesus saying that to you, to me, to us. He is saying it. <laughs> He's saying it when we backslide. When we st and by the way, that means when we're not moving forward, <laughs> when we're not aggressively changing things and working through things. Yeah, I've been a Christian for 33 years, but I just told you about the, the books I read, the, 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 the ways I try to learn from the teachers, uh, because I recognize I got a long way to go. I'm I'm not Jesus. I'm I, I didn't introduce myself that way. Did you did, did you hear that? No. Uh, and and therefore, there's a lot that still needs to be worked on. There's a lot that God's revolution needs to change. You know, we can look righteous. Anybody that's been part of a church or a Christian, including this one, for more than a year or two years. 
you look righteous. You do. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's not, it's not a negative statement. You know, you know what to say. You know how to act. You're not going to show up and curse people out. And you're not going to, you know, just treat people badly, uh, at least not visibly or physically. Um, the point is that Jesus sees our heart. God's revolution, it will be inside you, in our heart, in our spirit. That's where the fight is. You know, Gil Scott Heron, who was from Harlem, actually, he said something really interesting. He said, the revolution will not be televised. You know, the revolution, God's revolution, is a new consciousness, a new way of thinking, a new approach to life. You know, the word heart in the Bible means uh, the human spirit from where, you know, your emotions, your thoughts, your motivations, your courage, your action. You know, Proverbs 4, 23 says, you know, everything you do flows from your heart. You know, this is where the revolution is happening right now in your heart, in my heart. And, you know, out of our heart comes some evil things. We need to be constantly placing new priorities in our heart and replacing old ones. In Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. What God is saying here is remove your will. His will be done, not your will. It's when Jesus says, I'm Lord. When you say Jesus is Lord, you're plowing ground. You're working through things. But I got to tell you, there's there's some unplowed ground in all of us. Deep stuff, backwood stuff. Maybe you haven't touched. Maybe in this pandemic, maybe in this sheltering at home, maybe in this overload of social media and overload of visuals, etc. It's come out. I know it's come out of me. It really has. There's some unplowed ground that's tied to my upbringing, my culture, my politics. I know I said that word, my politics. I want to end with this. God's revolution. His justice will provide peace. You know, the phrase, no justice, no peace. I heard a lot. heard it right outside my window as people were protesting, etc., and I kind of wonder, where did this come from? And it originally was actually someone said in Queens in 1986 when some immigrants were killed. But the idea of justice and peace came first from God. You know, Jesus in Matthew 23, which we were looking at earlier, the inside of the cup, outside of the cup, what he says to, you know, the Pharisees is that you guys have got it wrong. You're checking boxes. I did this. I did that. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I mean, I know I have boxes. How about you? Do you, do you wake up and at the end of the day, you look at your boxes and say, hey, did I check them? Well, Jesus says the most important things are justice, mercy, and faith. That's Matthew 23, 23. Let's go to another 23. In Jeremiah 9, 23, you know, God speaking here. And he's talking about, you know, how a rich man can boast, how a strong man, a man in a strong position could boast, and how um, a smart man, a wise man could boast. 
And I already told you, I mean, I was pursuing all of those uh, early on. Because uh, that's what the world is. That's what the world told me to go do. And my life was being destroyed behind that. But here's what, Je- what God says. He said, let him boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Justice is critical. It's how we live. It's what we do. Study it out. Go to our justice page on the New York City uh, website, and you will see some phenomenal videos on some humble men, teachers, talking about justice from the Bible. Not from the world, not from the latest event, but from the Bible. I'm going to end with this. In Isaiah 9, uh, Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulder. This is a revolution. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. God's revolution. His justice will provide peace. There will be justice and there will be peace for those who join the revolution. Thank you for joining the revolution. Help each other to stay strong in this revolutionary and not be deterred into other revolutions. Join with me as we pray for the community. Dear God, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can come before you. We know that um, you care about all of us, that your desire is that we would all be in your kingdom, God, that we will all open our hearts so that we can be with you. Help us to plow the unplowed ground, God. Help us to put your will in our lives, Father. Show us that As Jesus gave his life, we must give ours. God, we thank you as we take the bread that represents his body and the juice that represents his blood, that he was willing to lay down his life, God. He was willing to start the revolution in our hearts, God, so that we can be with you. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.